Edward Sree, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. Imagine the situation. There's a businessman who's been married 17 years. He's got two kids, and he's going on a business trip and finds himself on the plane sitting next to a very attractive woman. And they hit it off in conversation. They talk the whole flight, and they go to baggage claim together, and there they discover they happen to be staying at the same hotel. And so they decide to take the hotel shuttle bus together over to that hotel. They're waiting in the lobby to check in, and the woman notices that there's a bar there and invites him to have a drink. And he says, sure. And so they share a drink together. They continue fine conversation. And then the woman invites this man to her room. She invites him to her room. What should this man do? What should this man do? Now, all Christians would immediately say, oh, uh, he should say no. He, He should not not go to the room. He shouldn't have even had drinks with this woman. This is a near occasion for sin. He's going to be tempted. Uh, He should not go to this room. Well, some people from our secular culture may have a different perspective. They may say, what's the big deal here? What are you worried about? Well, I'm worried that he'll end up sleeping with her and being unfaithful to his wife. And then again, a a non-Christian may come back and say, well, that might be your view of marriage. I mean, I understand you're a Christian, you have a certain view of marriage, but this man's not a Christian. And so maybe his view of marriage is more open than yours. Maybe it's less rigid than your view of marriage. So don't impose your views of marriage on him. Well, a Christian would come back and say, well, he he needs to be faithful to his words. He gave his word that he would be faithful to his wife. He promised this on his wedding day. Uh, he, He can't break his vows. And again, people in our secular culture may say, well, look, I mean, people... They, they, they break their promises all the time. People have affairs like this all the time. This, this, is, this just happens in the world. And, and, and you, have you actually always kept your promises? Have you always done what you said you were going to do? When you said you were going to be somewhere at a certain time, have you always showed up at that place right on time? You, you, there have been many times where you've failed to keep your word. Don't judge this man. He's been faithful to his wife for 17 years of marriage. We're talking just one night here. I mean, one night out of thousands thousands of nights. What, what, what could be so wrong with this? Who is he hurting? He's not hurting anybody by doing this. Well, again, a Christian would come back, well, he's hurting his wife. But let's just say for discussion's sake, his wife will never find out about this. He'll come home from this trip. She'll have no clue. They'll continue their relationship. His wife will never know. Who is he hurting, some people might say, ask. Uh, and again, we can come back as a Christian and say, well, he's hurting this woman. He's just using her for this one night. He's just using her for this one night stand. And again, someone from the secular culture can come back and say, look, she invited him. She's the one that extended the invitation. Uh, if anything, he might hurt her feelings if he says no and rejects the invitation. Uh, have you ever been in a conversation like this where you're talking about some hot button issue in the culture and your friend keeps coming back with one argument after another, after another, one justification after another, after another, after another, and it could be frustrating. How do we respond? Because in our secular relativistic world where there is no moral truth, there's no moral compass guiding us, uh, in a world like this, 
It's hard to talk about morality. In a world like this, people can justify almost anything. They can rationalize practically everything. And I want to help you. I want to help you to be able to talk about moral truth with greater clarity and conviction uh, and in a compelling way. Uh, Now, many of you may know I've written a book called Who Am I to Judge? Responding to Relativism with Logic and Love. And I've been giving a lot of talks on this. In fact, if you could pray, please, I'm going to the Focus Conference uh, in Chicago. There's going to be eight thousand people gathered at the Focus Conference in Chicago this week. So picture thousands and thousands of college students coming together to worship Jesus, to learn about their faith, to share their faith with others. Please pray for these courageous men and women trying to live out their Catholic faith vibrantly on a secular college campus uh, around the country, around the world. So please pray for the conference. But I'm going to be speaking on relativism there. And I always give uh, talks on relativism where I give people some basic keys for talking about morality. But in this podcast, I want to go deeper. I want to take you deeper than what I do in my normal talks because while those keys are helpful, they help for just starting points. Uh, in for the long term, we want to have a, a deeper understanding of the Catholic moral worldview and understand where people are coming from today because the relativism that people breathe is 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 related to a whole worldview. It's related to a whole set of beliefs about who God is, what uh, the human person is, uh, what we're made for, what is happiness, what is beauty, what is truth, what is goodness, uh, what is friendship, what is love. And if we don't connect all those dots together, we're not going to be able to advance very far in in engaging the culture of moral relativism. So what I want to do in this podcast, and I'm going to do this a couple times. I'm going to continue this theme next week and a couple other times in 2018, I'll come back to this topic of moral relativism. But in this first episode of 2018, I would like to share with you something I did with college students at Benedictine College where I used to teach. Uh, Now, many of you may have heard of Benedictine College. It's known as one of those great Catholic universities, and indeed, it's it's one of the top Catholic colleges in the country today. But back in 2000, 2001, when I was asked to teach moral theology, it was a very different place. Uh, I knew that the majority of students in my class were not there for the Catholic uh, uh, moral perspective. They were there to fulfill a religious studies requirement. They needed to complete a theology class to graduate. Uh, And so I had a class of about 35 students, and in the class, there'd be maybe three of them that were really committed on fire Catholics. The rest of them were, were not practicing or kind of practicing, but skeptical about morality. All of them were coming from the the moral relativistic perspective that they breathed in from the culture. And I knew I needed to meet them where they're at. So I want to share with you an exercise I did on the very first day. And this doesn't answer all the questions, but I wanted to press a reset button for them in terms of how they view morality. Because so many of them think of morality as just a bunch of random rules from our religion or the church telling us what to do. Uh, And these are just abstract principles. They don't have to do with my day-to-day real life. I wanted to just blow that up right from the beginning and restart with them and give them a fresh perspective on how exciting Catholic morality really is. So here's what I did. I, I had them take out a sheet of paper and I said on the front page of the paper, I want you to list for me what you think are the top moral issues we face today. What are the top moral issues we face today? And I'd like you to think about that here. So if you're driving, you don't need to take out a sheet of paper, but you can just think in your own head, what would you list as some of the top moral issues we face today? And then I had the students uh, flip over the paper and I said, on the backside, I'd like you to think about this scenario. Imagine you've died 
Imagine it's after your death and people are gathering at your funeral home and they're going to pay their respects. And one by one, people closest to you are going to stand up and say something about you, what they remember most about you. So picture your spouse standing up, your children, your your brother, your parents, your friends, your colleagues at work. What do you want to be remembered for? For what qualities do you want to be remembered? What do you want them to say about you? That, 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 that's a great question uh, that, that helps you think about your life and what you want to be remembered for the most. So uh, those are the two questions I gave them at the beginning of every semester. And then, then we began with a prayer. And then I came to that first list. And I got to the marker board up in the front of the class. I said, all right, tell me what, what, what are the top moral issues that we face in our age? And they would uh, many of the devout Catholics would list things like uh, the pro-life issues, abortion, euthanasia. Or they talk about chastity issues like premarital sex or contraception or the definition of marriage. And I would write all these on the marker board. Uh, And then uh, other people would mention things like human trafficking or corporate greed or poverty or the environment or immigration. And I'm writing all these on the board. And then I would congratulate them all. I said, you all have come up with a very good modern view of morality. Not necessarily a Catholic view of morality, but a very modern perspective on morality. And some of them would say, well, what do you mean? Isn't the Catholic Church concerned about abortion or care for the poor? And I say, of course, these are all important issues. But the heart of morality is, isn't, it's, it's not these issues here. Sometimes these issues are seen as like abstract issues out there in the culture. You know, things for the, the United Nations to solve or public policy and Congress to pass laws about. But they don't affect my day-to-day life. Real morality is all about the day-to-day decisions I'm making. In fact, did you know the word ethics? Do you know where that word comes from? The word ethics comes from the Greek word ethikos, which means pertaining to character. You see, the classical view of ethics is not about rules. You know, don't kill, don't steal, don't cheat, don't lie. It's not It's not about the rules. It's about the kind of life you want to live. Uh, in fact, it was fascinating. If you look at one of the most famous works on ethics, who is Aristotle wrote uh, his Nicomachean Ethics. In that work, he has 10 major books that are put together in the Nicomachean Ethics. And you guess how much time he spends talking about rules in this whole massive project on ethics. Guess how much space he spends talking about moral rules? One paragraph. One paragraph amidst all of these chapters, all of these books, all together, only one paragraph. What Aristotle spends the most time talking about is how we're made for friendship. We're made for friendship. And then he talks about all the virtues we need for living our relationships, living our friendships well. And that's where we find our happiness is when we live our friendships well, but we need the virtues to do that. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about how we live our relationships, but uh, the, the moral rules, just one little tiny paragraph, that's not the heart of what ethics is all about. So uh, think of ethics as more like this. It's the question of who. It's not a question of what. What do I do in this situation? Is it okay for me to sleep with this woman on a, on a business trip who's not my wife? That, that, don't think of ethics that way. Think of ethics as who do I want to become? Who do you want to become? And will this action help you become that kind of person? I think this is a fascinating question because this pierces right through the many webs of rationalization and justification that our relativistic culture weaves when it talks about morality. Because again, you can keep justifying anything, giving one argument after another after another. But let's break right through that and make the question personal. If there's a businessman who's 
propose, who's getting a proposition from a woman who's not his wife, uh, what should this man do? Well, the question is, who does he want to become? Will this action, if he sleeps with this woman, will this action help him become a better husband, a better man, a better father, a better child of God, a better friend? Uh, this just gets right to the heart of the matter. And we have to reframe morality as a question, not of what, what do we do in this situation? What are the rules? But a question of who, who do you want to become? And will this action help you become the kind of person you want to be? Will it lead you closer to your goal? Now that leads me to the second uh, topic that I addressed with these college students at Benedict College on that first day of moral theology class. I had them turn over their papers and say, now let's talk about the funeral home example. All right, it's your funeral uh, or it's your wake and people are gathering at the funeral home to remember you. They're going to stand up and say things about you. So picture your future spouse, if you're not married yet, or if you are married now, your current spouse, or if uh, your, your, your closest friends, your parents, your children, all those that are closest to you, imagine them standing up and saying something about you. For what do you want to be remembered? I find this fascinating because I've done this little exercise dozens and dozens and dozens of times with people from all different parts of the country, all different parts uh, or the spectrum of religious perspectives. Uh, so Catholics, non-Catholics, Protestants, Hindus, Muslims, atheists, <laughs> uh, people from all different backgrounds. And they all tend to say the same things. This is fascinating. You know what they say? They say, I want to be remembered for being kind. I want to be remembered for being loving. I want to be remembered for being loyal. He was a loyal friend. Or for being generous. Or for being sincere. Or being helpful. Or, or being honest. Or being authentic. They, they talk about all these qualities. And you know what those qualities are? They talk. Those are the virtues. So everyone ended up, they didn't say virtue, but that's what they, they, they were taught describing. They're describing the virtues. But they also talked about their most f- fundamental relationships. They talked about how they would want their spouse to say, he was a good husband, she was a good wife. They'd want their kids to say, he was a good father, she was a good mother. They want to say, he was a great friend. They talked about their relationships, or he was a great Christian, a good Catholic, a good son of God. So they would talk about their relationships. I think this is fascinating because um, what this exercise does, it gets right to the heart of the matter. What is life all about? And in the end, what is life all about? It's about our friendships, our friendships with God and our friendship with uh, each other. In fact, when Jesus was asked, what is the moral life all about? Remember in the gospel, somebody says, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus doesn't respond giving a list of rules or commandments. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. How did Jesus sum up the drama of the moral life in terms of relationship? Relationship with God and relationship with each other. And so this is what morality is all about. Morality is not... Uh, primarily about what kind of laws we pass at Congress or what kind of decrees go out through the United Nations. All that's important to think about. But that, uh, but the real drama of the moral life takes place in the decisions I make every day. Will this action help me become a better husband, a better father, a better friend, a better child of God? Now, I want to tie a bow on this. I want to wrap this all up here, and and, and I could I could picture. It's a, I want you to picture me standing in front of a class, and on one side of the marker board I write the letter A, and then on the other side of the marker board I write the letter B. And what I'm going to share with you, and what I shared with the class, was a a, a basic insight 
from one uh, wonderful philosopher of our age, Alistair McIntyre, in his work, After Virtue. He sums up what ethics is all about. He says, ethics is on one hand about man as he is. And that's what I would write under A, the letter A. Man as he is. In other words, this is who I am right now. Man as he is. So this is Ted Sri. He's got some good qualities. He's got a lot of weakness, these poor qualities, a lot of area for growth. This is just who I am right now. And then... McIntyre talks about another aspect of ethics, B. This is what I call B. It is a, he, he describes it as man as he could be if he fulfilled his telos. Man as he could be if he fulfilled his telos. Telos is the word for purpose or end or goal. So in other words, if I fulfill what I'm made for, I'm made for friendship. I'm made for relationship with God and relationship with the people God's placed in my life. What would my life look like, look like if I live those relationships with excellence. That's B. So I want you to picture two sides of the marker board, A and B. A is this is who I am right now. B is this is what my life would look like if I lived my relationships to the fullest. My relationship with God, my spouse, my kids, my friends, my students, my colleagues. What would I, what would my life look like? And then I would draw a big arrow from one side of the board to the other, from A to B, from man as he is to man as he could be if he fulfilled his purposes, tell us. Uh, and then over that big arrow, I would write the word ethics, because that's what ethics is all about. Ethics is about that arrow. Ethics is all about getting from A to B, from who I am right now to who I'm made to be, who I, I want to become. How do I get there? And this is this is the beauty, the drama of the ethical life, my friends. It, it, we all have these desires on our hearts, don't we? We know that there's these areas where we, we we could grow, we could be better, and we want to we want to we want to improve. How do I get from A to B? That's what ethics is all about. It's not about random rules from our religion. It's not about the church imposing a certain way of life on others. No, it's about the church guiding us to help us move from A to B so we can find our happiness and flourish in life. And so what I want you to do here is I want you to think about your relationships right now. Think about the people in your life, the relationships that are most important, your relationship with God, your relationship with your parents, with your siblings, with your friends, uh, th think about those fundamental relationships. How are they going? How are you doing in those relationships? What's going well? What needs to get better? What, what area do you want to improve? And then think about that. How, how can you move from A to B in your own life? This is what the drama of the ethical life is all about, growing in virtue, the virtues we need to live our relationships well. That's why those students, when they would do the funeral home example, they talked about their relationships, they talked about their virtues. And we need the virtues to live those relationships well, right? I mean, if I'm an impatient man, an unkind man, a self-centered man, uh, uh, an unkind man, I'm not going to be a good spouse, a good husband, a good father, a good friend. Uh, I'm going to do things to hurt other people in my life. That's why I need virtue. I need virtue so that I can be free to give the best of myself to the people in my life and to give the best of myself to my God? How can I move from A to B? How can I grow in virtue more so I could live those relationships well? So uh, what I want to do is in my next episode, next week, I want to take a look at a big question that we're going to face if we dare to talk about morality today. People are going to often say this, but I'm not hurting anyone. 
but I'm not hurting anyone. What's wrong with this? I mean, who cares what I do in my private life? I mean, I'm not robbing banks. I'm not stealing from people. I'm not committing acts of terrorism. Uh, You know, I'm not hurting anyone. You know, it doesn't matter what I do with my money, what I do with my free time, what I look at on screens. I'm not hurting anyone. How do you respond to that? We're going to take a look at that next week, and we're going to see that there are thousands of ways we hurt people without ever directly stealing from them, without directly physically harming them, verbally harming them. There are thousands of ways we hurt people deeply by failing to be the best we can be. That's what we'll look at next week. If you enjoyed this podcast, my friends, can I ask that you share this with others? You may know a friend. You may have someone there that that, that would benefit from learning more about a Catholic moral worldview. And subscribe to this, uh, this podcast here. And each week I give fresh insights into how to know and live our Catholic faith better. And if you want to reach out to me, find me on my website. You can send me suggestions for future shows here in 2018. Or if you have any questions, you can reach me on my website. That's edwardsri.com, where you can find me on Facebook and Twitter. God bless.